Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Howdy, everyone. I'm Joshua Schultz, Tyler Waldrop, Stelthar. We're here at Treadmill Coffee, and make sure you tune in to Good Morning Aurora. Rise and shine. Pour yourself a cup of coffee and tune in to Good Morning Aurora. News, weather, and really cool interviews. Monday through Friday from 8 to 9 a.m. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. The time is now 8 a.m. and you are listening to Good Morning, Aurora. The second largest city's first daily news podcast. And we've got an interesting show for you guys today. We have a conversation with a... uh, well-known Auroran, Mr. Fred Rogers. Uh, We will be speaking uh, today. This interview was conducted um, via cell phone because Mr. Rogers is uh, not in the best of health. We wish him and his family the absolute best uh, this holiday season. And uh, before we get into that part of the show, we got a lot to tell you guys about, Uh, uh, a whole lot. Holiday Hope. Uh, drive through groceries uh, that's taking place on Tuesday. It'll be from 9 to 11 a.m., serving 1,200 families uh, for the holidays. So you can get groceries. And this is going to be in conjunction with Marie Wilkinson's Food Pantry and the Northern Illinois Food Bank, and of course, the city of Aurora and our city leadership. So, Holiday Hope, that's what it's called, drive through distribution. Uh, that's taking place tomorrow. So, you know, shout out to the city doing it once again, and they have been since uh, since COVID, holding it down for the people. So thank you very much for that. All right, now continuing on, trains are the stars of the show. Uh, this holiday season in downtown Aurora. Shout out to Aurora downtown uh, for more information on everything that's going on in Aurora, uh, specifically downtown area. Go to downtown Aurora. Excuse me, Aurora Downtown org. More than a handful of artists were hired for window displays. Local photographers and poets were also asked to submit work that can be seen online and in storefronts. And there's a lot of that going on. Uh, The Polar Express, Burlington Zephyr uh, are among the themes that are taking place on the windows downtown. So shout out to Josh Schultz and Jen Ingram and so many great artists uh, getting busy on the windows. Uh, Aurora Downtown partnered with SciTech Hands-On Museum. Uh, videos that explore train wheels and a model a ford mega shouts mega shouts register your business by december 31st in the age of COVID 19 the need for highly accurate communication and life safety data has never been more critical with that in mind the general business registration ordinance requires all entities conducting business within city boundaries to register with the city of aurora by registering your business you are contributing to the continued success and safety of your employees patrons and fellow businesses the registration process is fast 
easy and free. We posted the website. Hit up the Facebook page for that. All right. So uh, yesterday was a good day. Shout out to We Did It For The Kids. Or excuse me, We Do It For The Kids. Uh, they had their toy drive taking place. Uh, that was a lot of fun for them right behind Dakari. So shout out. That was their seventh annual. So they've been getting busy for a while. So, you know, much love to We Do It For The Kids. Okay. Uh, Ruling Food Service at 115 Oak Avenue in Aurora is still going strong um, with their initiative they've been doing they've been delivering meals to uh, healthcare workers feeding the front line is what it's been called um really good food at ruling food service so shout out to ruling and shout out to all of the healthcare personnel and our first responders and with that in mind i know that you guys you've probably seen the um the first local healthcare worker to receive the COVID 19 vaccine was a uh, nurse at rush copley so shout out to Rush Copley, shout out to the nurse, and yeah, that's how we doing it, man. You know, breaking it, breaking it for Aurora, baby, breaking it, baby. Get the news out there. That's right. All right, uh, Civilian Review Board (CRB). The applications are online. The links have been posted. Please go check it out. The final date to submit is going to be tomorrow. Tomorrow is the last day, y'all. Tomorrow is the last day. All right, and. Um, want to give a, another big shout out to the city of aurora and chuck nelson day chuck nelson day proclamation that um january 7th is chuck nelson day and chuck nelson week is december 14th through the 18th 2020 um chuck nelson i uh, retired and he was first the alderman for ward four and then executive in a number of positions, assistant chief of staff for Mayor Wisner and director of neighborhood standards and deputy mayor. Um, shout out to Chuck Nelson. Great man. And the Chuck Nelson Development Services Center is located at 78 South Broadway, I believe. Um, and yeah, that's his building now. Very cool. Awesome. Uh, Chuck Nelson's a great man, and uh, he will be missed from the day-to-day minutia of city government. He was the man. Great man to learn from. All right. Because you know what? It's not minutia. It's not minutia. If you really care, like if you, if you, if you, if you sink your teeth into it, man, it's not minutia. Nothing's not, nothing is minutia when you like it. Nothing is minutia. When, and helping people is not minutia. It's not minutia at all. There's minutia involved in it. But it's not minutia. If you dig it, you know, if you dig it, it's not minutia. It's fun. Uh, but we waxed a little bit right there. And we don't typically do that. Anyway, I uh, want to give shouts out to our most recent subscriber, Jamie. And I think we have a couple other subscribers as well. So we'll be shouting you guys out too. And um, subscribe to the YouTube page. So much more um, stuff is coming. Check us out on Twitter. Uh, gotta get the tweets up, but yeah, check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Shouts, Instagram, you know what it is, and uh, the second largest city's first daily news podcast is going to keep the news coming for you, and also, we've got another great interview uh, with a local friend, with a local roundabout, with a local roundabout friend, uh, we'll be shouting that out, and all you small businesses, keep it up, keep up the good work, and that is it for the news.
Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you, my brother. Likewise. Good to see you. Yeah. Good to be here. Yes, yes. Um, so we're going to talk a lot. We're going to go through a lot of detail about prairie grass selections um, and all kinds of Aurora-based stuff as well. But for the listeners and for the viewers and those who don't know who you are, let us know who you are, where you're from. Uh, my name is Nelson. Nelson. Uh, I've actually grown up in Aurora my whole life. I was born in Copley in the east side before it was moved over to uh, Little part of Aurora, but uh, I went to Aurora Christian my whole life. I was there for 13 and a half years, and then I went to West for a semester. But basically, I've been a citizen of the West Side. Most of my family's been on the East Side, and I moved away for three years to Michigan. I worked on an organic farm and learned different types of uh, organic techniques and how to grow asparagus and how to make hmm. blonde asparagus. Interesting. Blonde asparagus? Yeah, when you take away the light and the sunlight, it can't make actually, um, well, I'm blinking out right now. Chlorophyll? Chlorophyll. And so you get like a creamier, softer asparagus, but you also yield a lot less. So it's Interesting. the price goes up, but you get less of it. Interesting. Blonde asparagus. Yes. Hmm. If anybody ever hits me up for Jeopardy, I'm going to know the answer. Lifeline, call your boy. Blonde asparagus. That's oh, yeah. the answer. Um, growing up, what impact did your mom have in your life? Uh, she had a really strong impact because I grew up with her mostly. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad worked almost all day, every day at a factory, General Mills. So my mom had a boutique here in Aurora. So I would watch her work with her hands all day, go mm -hmm. home, garden, make dinner, do different things all day long, nonstop. So I mean, from, she would wake me up, get me ready for school, get my brothers and sisters ready for school, take us to school, come back home. And she would fix our beds, clean the house, get everything in order, pick us up, come back home. And she just was nonstop woman of hard work. And yeah. She owned a boutique? She owned, yeah, she owned a boutique called Karina's Boutique here in Aurora. She had it for about seven years, and she Very liked cool. it. Very cool. She let it go just to be with us because she realized she was there 50 hours a week and maybe 20 hours relaxing at home. Yeah, COVID, this whole era, has shown me and a lot of other people, like, what work, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, what work, because I was a worker bee before, like, I lost my job because of COVID. Like all day every you know what i'm saying like going to sleep doing work waking up doing the same it's 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 crazy so i can understand like your mom having a boutique and running like that and then still trying to make a life for yourself yeah it's rough man she she had a hard time taking a break she didn't know when to stop or hit pause yeah that was her problem where'd you you were so you went to michigan what part i was in uh warrenville Okay. And then I was in Lexington, which is basically the thumb of Michigan. You can climb the tallest tree and look straight into Canada every day. And That's what they call the UP, the Upper Peninsula? Uh, no, I was based... So the Upper Peninsula is way up north, about maybe 16, 18 hours from here. Uh, Lexington, Michigan is about seven and a half hours driving. You can take 94 all the way straight, and you end up right there. And okay. there's no like bridge or anything crossing over to Canada. You can just take a boat, and it'll take you three minutes, and you're in Canada. You ever been to Canada? I have. It was very nice. I've been there too. Shouts out to Canada. This one. Oh yeah. This one. Hold on. This one's for Canada. We're going to, let's hit them up. Hit them up. Canada. Like that. I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was for Canada, y'all. I want to go to Canada. They're very nice. They're, the people there are amazing. I like them. The only thing they really kept asking me about was, hey, do you have any tortillas and hot sauce? Because they found out I was Mexican. They wanted some good hot sauce. Not that that was kind of funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm here to talk about y'all. Yeah. Um. So. We're going to get into the specifics and the details and the history and the origins of prairie grass selections. But from a resident point of view, who a person who's been here and lived here, how do you feel Aurora business is at the moment? 
I think it's been growing. I think um, the growth has been good. It's been organic. The community is really supporting the businesses. The local businesses here have been involved with like the people. And I like this, what the city's been doing with the small events, the food trucks, the first Fridays and things like that. And it seems like the people here are really responding very well to it and helping like, the community and the businesses grow together. And I also noticed that like, the farmers markets have been getting more people as well during the summer. And I don't know if it was because of COVID, things are, people are more at home, but I noticed that a lot of people there were buying a lot more things, asking for more tips and tricks on what to do in their home gardens and things like that. People were buying more flowers. I would just drive by like Treadwell Coffee and see people outside getting their drinks or at Branch Gardens and, you know, supporting them and like going to all their little sales and things like that. Like the Cocoa uh, Craw Cups. Yeah. I thought that was a very cool thing. That was that dope. Was that doing. was dope. Yeah. I got mine from this year and last year. <laughs> um, you mentioned the farmer's market. Yes. Um, I was shocked to find out this couple months ago. I was shocked to find out that Aurora, our farmer's market, is the oldest in the state. Really? I didn't know that until like I, I, I looked it up. Aurora, Illinois' farmer's market is the oldest in the state. Um, and there was a reduction in due to COVID. But back when it was going on, you still saw crowds socially distanced and all that yes you're a grower um the vegetables and the things like that what is there a lot of hard work involved in what we see produced in these farmers market the prep work that goes into like organizing the whole farm in the beginning is where a lot of the work goes in and then a harvesting the rest of the time is a waiting game so you want to prep the soil if you're an organic grower a lot of these farms around here are synthetic growers so these are a lot of salt-based fertilizers so for them it's just plant and spray the fertilizer and then go back out there and water it in things like that but the organic farmer will have to start at the end of the last season to prep the soil and get it ready for the springtime then add in an organic like fertilizer or compost and then let the land just kind of slowly age like a fine wine and every year the organic farm will get better and better so the yields might not be as good so it all depends on the type of farm that the product is coming from what's the importance of a yield when farming so, for example, with apple farms, I'm sorry, not apple farms, like a potato farming. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say you have a five-gallon bucket and you plant some potatoes in there. And they're in a good living soil mechanism where the soil you put in a microscope, you have bacteria, you have bugs in there. Everything's working together in the soil food web. You can get a bountiful harvest of maybe 30 pounds of potatoes in a five-gallon pot. Um, so that's what people want to do is they want to see how much they can max it out on on the yield of potatoes mm. and then try to replicate that every year so they try to find the formula to see how much they can get per their space and most of the time farmers will talk about per square meter mm -hmm. especially in canada and um, like growing cannabis and things like that right they'll say how many grams per square meter can you grow and that's all dependent on the variety of plant you're growing gotcha. like for example uh Potatoes, I did purple potatoes. Mm -hmm. Those yielded me very small. I didn't know how to grow them that very well, so I'm learning them right now, how to grow purple potatoes. Purple potatoes? Purple potatoes. And I'm doing purple cauliflower next year. Oh, damn. I don't know where to start. Uh, you had me at purple, bro. Cause you, know, <laughs> you know what? Um, I'm a red potato dude. I'm a red potato dude. My, my mashed potatoes, I need, you know, little bit of the, the skin and all that. I love red potatoes. Uh, I love potatoes, period. So purple potatoes, is there, a, is there an added benefit nutrient-wise or is there, you know, what, what are we doing with the purple potatoes? I haven't looked at the nutrient uh, difference yet, okay. but the flavor is different. Okay. Um, it also cooks a little bit different. So I'll fry them a little bit, then I'll add it with my egg, and they have a little bit more of a crunch. 
Okay. But my daughter really likes the look of it as well, so I do it more for her to eat like more vegetables and things like that. Cause she'll see the purple food. The it's purple. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and if you add like um, lemon juice or like a citric citric uh, acid to it, it changes the purple to pink. Hmm. So it just kind of cuts it down and changes the color of it a little bit. We learned that by accident one day, but. Yeah, a lot of different colored food out there, and there's geometric broccoli that looks like a bunch of little uh, triangles going in around in a circle, and they slowly go up. I saw a picture on online, something. I saw a picture of that yeah. online. Yeah. Um, damn it, I can't think of what I was looking at, but... I can't remember the name of it either, but yeah. yeah, that's a broccoli relative. That's crazy. The things people are doing with food. Well, whatever it takes to make kids eat it, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... How long have you been growing from beginning to date? I grew my first plant at 17. Okay. Um, I had gotten a few seeds from a few friends. Okay. I planted four of them. Um, they started growing. They were very doing their thing very nice. Okay. I kept telling my family there were tomato plants, there were tomato plants. They let them go to about 12 inches. Then one day I went outside and I saw they were chopped up in 12 pieces. Who cut, who cut them up? Uh, my mom did. Why? She was very against it. She's like, what are you doing? This is illegal. Right. Um, I assume at that time it wasn't legal. No, not at all. Do you feel that even with it being legal, there's still that taboo nature of what it is? Yes. I, because it's not really legal in a sense that if you want to go and plant tomatoes, you can plant as many as you want. Right. So right now it's in a weird limbo gray area of legalization because they're only allowing medical card holders to grow their garden. Right. So when another person who's of age to like, you know, go to the store and buy it can just grow their own garden, then I think it'll be more legal. But right now they're limiting it to the people mm -hmm. and they're also limiting the amount that that person can hold on to. So it makes it very hard to work within the legal system to not get in trouble so that's what we're trying to help people with so they don't go over their plant number or if they don't they're not able to produce enough medicine for themselves if we can have another gardener supply them with the right amount because it is a weird legal system right now because it's in the favor of the dispensaries it's in the favor of the medical dispensaries and the recreational right. shops right now as opposed to the individual yes oh. um so let's talk about let's talk about what we're talking about growing um, and plant and flower. But let's take it back to your early years in Aurora and things like that. Um, when did you first discover that growing flowers is something that you want to do? I had a few friends. Um, they would always bring the flower around mm -hmm. and I never had an idea that there was bad flower or good flower. I just thought it was just all the same. Right. And so they had these exceptional like examples of it, and then I later found out that their family was the person that was the gardener and things like that. And so they had all these amazing varieties that were I was reading about, I was seeing in videos and magazines. Right, right, like right. That. <laughs> and I was always like, okay, this is the normal. And then I started to realize that not only were these, you know, the examples that I'm seeing, but I started to notice that I was getting different effects from some of them. Mm -hmm. Some of them would make me just want to sleep on the couch all day. Other ones, I would wake up and it would be like, this blue is blue. Before, I never thought it was blue, but it's like actually blue. Like It would make colors really pop out. Um, music would sound better. And other varieties, would I could feel like the music, like the spirit of the music coming around mm -hmm. me. And I would feel more energetic and happy. And so 
That's what really got stop me. Them. Please don't stop them. Please exactly. don't stop them. I was noticing like all these different effects that were happening from these different varieties. Right. So I wanted to look into why these different varieties all had different effects, and then that's when I found out that just like any other plant, there's over a thousand varieties of it. And now with all this new like legalization and more breeding, there's over ten thousand varieties, and there's new varieties made every day. So varieties also known as strains or is a strain different from a variety uh strains are varieties okay um so the word strain is actually like more for like a virus right and now the guys who adapted it um for this like so robert Cannell clark he's a scientist he's like the first flower scientist mm -hmm. he got a book called marijuana botany mm -hmm. it is the best book of all time on growing advice it's like a scientific just all around great book okay but he's the one who did the word strain, calyx, pistol, and a few other words that yeah. we know they're related to flowers, but in the other botanical world, they don't agree with us in those terms. Why not? They use the word strand or cultivars. Okay. And we use strain. But it's only because of the fact that we had to hide things and do things a little bit differently in the past. The taboo nature of what we're talking about. Exactly. So now you should have everyone taking pictures, writing notes, and things like that. And very few people in the past took notes or pictures of what they were doing due to the nature of it. Hmm. Interesting. Um, is there a um, is there a way, or is there a you know is there a class? Was there a CD-ROM to download or something that uh, helped? you understand or did you get all of your knowledge from from individuals and working with them? I had to do trial and error in the beginning. Okay. So it was a lot of failed attempts, a lot of uh, parents that would find, you know, different things and chop them down and yeah. upset. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. when they, your parents walk into your room and they're like, what's that smell? And they try to open your closet and they can't because there's five blocks on yeah. it. <laughs> and then they bust it open and they take it all Comment bill extra high yeah, oh yeah you're talking about an extra forty dollars a month one month and you're like what is this <laughs> right 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 um what's you have any favorite um strains man uh my top three favorites are headband cheese and bubble kush headband cheese and bubble kush yeah they're not very popular no more but those are the three that got me really into wanting to grow my own wanting to seek those out mm -hmm. and then i found the people responsible for the bubba and the headband and the cheese <laughs> from england so that one's a little bit hard to trace back to the original people but okay. i was able to acquire it through the right circles and it came through a verified source that it was the cheese and once it was grown out i was like this is the cheese very cool um now let's talk prairie grass selections. Yes. Prairie grass selections. What is prairie grass selections? Uh, we're basically just a small group of gardeners. Um, we just want to assist people that are having a hard time or about to set up their grow or have questions or just don't know where to go about getting genetics or what they really want. So we've been experimenting with different types of lights, different types of environments because here in the Midwest we do deal with a lot of extreme temperature spikes and humidity. So we have to be able to make sure that what if your house has, you know, uh, not such a good dehumidifier or something in there. Right. So now we have to f set up the exhaust and the fans and everything in your little room to work within your realms. Or, for example, like I was explaining earlier, uh, we do have a person who's in a wheelchair, so we set up their little garden so that way they can roll in there and they can tent their five plants. Okay. And they're on a little table and everything like that. And their lights are set up on a little levee so they can control it with a string. And, if they ever need any assistance, we just go over there and help them, and we help them like dry it and harvest and 
we supplied them with like good trimming scissors so that way it's easier for them to get in there with the leaves and trim it all up nicely. Hmm. And then we showed them what they can use the leaves for. So you can store the leaves and you can make it into a concentrate, you can make it into an edible butter, coconut butter, things like that nature. We recently just made uh, some sugar for a person who would want to do a barbecue rub. So they, we made a brown sugar for them, we infused the sugar and then they're going to cook it in there and let it smoke and see how that comes out. Oh, damn. Yeah. Yo, whoever that is, I need a plate, dog. <laughs> I need a plate. The Chinese bubble Kush ribs. That's awesome. Um, so, Prairie Grass Selections is knowledge. Yes. It's know-how, it's helping, and it's assistance, basically. Yeah, we want to help people get the best results without breaking the bank. Okay. If you go into a grow shop, they're going to want to sell you the most top-end equipment, the most top-end environment, and it's great. All that is going to give you great success, but if you could get the same results with spending maybe a fifth of that, mm -hmm. why not do that? And so the people that you, the clients that you guys deal with and everything, are they people who have their card yes. or do they not? Okay. They and do if they it. don't have their card, we point them in the right directions to get a medical card. Right. So that we, that way they can grow their garden legally. Cause we're not trying to get anyone to like go over the legal plant count. Of course. We have one lady, um, our lady drew, uh, she just has five plants. That's mm -hmm. all she has. She doesn't flower them or nothing. And when people need a new plant, she gives them a plant for their garden. And then from that plant, we teach them how to clone, or so that way they can keep the circle if they want that variety, or we give them new varieties every time. So we'll supply them with the clones as much as they want, because we're always gonna have extra plants that we're not gonna need. Or when we're trimming our plants, mm -hmm. we're throwing away all these limbs and branches and stems that could be turned into a plant for someone else. Oh. So we started seeing that we were wasting a lot of valuable material, and right. we started to look out for the people who need plants, but now we're trying to find the plants that work for people and their needs. We have one person who is going through uh, cancer. They're in a lot of pain, so right now we just started some pure indica seeds for them. We gave them to two other growers because they didn't have any plants in the garden. Um, they're basically going to grow it and then donate half of the medicine to this person so they could turn it into a concentrate for themselves because they themselves are not in a place to be able to grow physically. Right. So even though they have the card, they basically can't. So that's another flaw that the system has right now is you have these medical patients that cannot have someone else grow it for them in their house. So we Why have not? that's that's the law doesn't let you have a caretaker for your garden, and they put that out of there because they don't want people stacking caretaker cards. So in Michigan, for example, oh, okay, I can Makes grow sense. twelve plants with my medical card, and then I can be a caretaker for five other people, giving me seventy-two plants total. Okay. So that's what they don't want people to have. They don't want people to start having a lot of plants because these dispensaries, they keep lobbying to not let the home grows be allowed because they know it's going to cut into their profits. Look at what we're talking about, right? Right? It is insane. Look at what we're talking about. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to show my age, but if you would have told me in my high school days that this was going to be the level of discussion that we're having about you know, the stickiest of the icky. I never would have thought, right? They're cutting into their power. They don't want to have too much. Crazy. It is really crazy. Look how the industry has expanded and grown um, since. Because legalization is not that old. No. Um, you have to look at Colorado as the first example. Right. And they had a big migration of all the best growers, plant breeders. Everybody went there, and it was a great, great hub. Mm -hmm. um, I got to go to Amsterdam right at the end of its golden era. 
and I got to witness that firsthand too as it was dying away. But I got to see that in Colorado, how everyone migrated over there, right. and the best of the best. And then as soon as all these other states started legalizing, they were all selling out to the biggest buyer and things like that. So I saw people sign up for like $12 million contracts to be the growers and the breeders for these companies. And these are, it was amazing how you're talking about like, these guys only made like $30,000 a year growing their pot, like at the most, and right. now they're getting these $12 million contracts for five years. Crazy. There was a company here, um, I won't say their name in Illinois, they were approaching a few other gardeners that I know, mm. and they offered them these really good deals. They're like, look, well, you'll be a millionaire in five years. And these sound great, and then they had a lawyer look over the contract, things like that. And in the contract, they wanted a genetic tra uh, material transfer, basically saying, Whatever you bring in here will always be ours. You can never use that again. And they wanted all their genetic stock, all their seed stock, all their clones. So it's very hard now to find old material that's verified because everyone's jumping on these new varieties like the cookies, the sherbet, the gelatos, things like that. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants the dessert varieties. Um, but finding the old building blocks is becoming harder and harder. People are just doing polyhybrids over polyhybrids over polyhybrids. Um, yeah, some people said this would happen. I go back to looking at, uh, I mean, I, I'm a reader. I go back and look at some of the opinion pieces in different places. Um, some people who would write in, so like the LA Times opinion piece about legalizing out there, or uh, I can't think of the name of Colorado's yeah, star. I can't think of the name of Colorado's paper, but certain places were like, you know, this is going to kill the uh, the home grower, things like that. Now it's taking its mutated form into big business and stuff like that. Seems like it's actually happening. Yeah, they're buying out all these small growers that have put their heart and soul into it. And then once they get everything they can out of them, they kick them to the side. So with this contract that they gave these people that I know, and they said in five years you'll be a millionaire, they were going to get basically a million dollars paid to them within five years broken down. So if they don't spend any money, they'll be a millionaire. But obviously that's not realistic. Yeah. And I was like, this is a terrible contract. And this company is one of the bigger companies now, and they've been able to venture up into other states. Um, did this company, we'll dance around the name. Did this company recently open another location in Naperville? No. Okay. No. It is not that. Okay, you know what we're talking about, yes. though. <laughs> Boy, you woke his head up. No. I got to yeah, stay on okay. top of it. Right. Um, I got to do my best to counter what they're doing. I feel you. No, I feel you. How do you feel when you see these dispensaries opening up and things like that? Oh, and I got a story for you. But how do you feel about that? Honestly, it makes me a little upset because these guys are lobbying to, like, stop everyone else from enjoying the flowers themselves any way they want. And they're gaining the way they they're getting everything they want, basically, and they're excluding the consumer. And that's what I don't like about it. Like in the old days, when you had all these mom-and-pop growers, if the consumer didn't like the variety that they were growing, they simply wouldn't grow it again because they wouldn't move. And now you're taking that relationship away, and you can't even see the example of the flowers you're consuming at these shops. It comes in a jar or in a package. I've never gotten anything from the dispensary here in Illinois. Uh, a friend of mine showed me an example, and I showed him, like, look, that's mold on the inside. Mm -hmm. And he didn't believe me. I pulled out my microscope, and I was like, look, mold, mold, and mold. Um, I've thrown away pounds and pounds of flowers because I saw that it had contaminants in it. 
Right. So that's one thing that these shops in the beginning were not doing. They were just packaging it up. Quality control. Yeah, they were only testing for the number of THC. They weren't testing for what bad stuff was hidden inside the plant. They only wanted to show you the good stuff in it. Right. Um, so there's the joint that's on Lake Street. Crossing the North Aurora Police Department. Their life. That's, that's the one. Yeah. Um, this isn't a diss about the item, but two of my friends now have been like, you know, we rolling, kicking it, whatever. Yo, I'm stopped by this place real quick. It's never real quick. There's a line. It is the most chaotic thing I've ever seen in my life. And, you know, I've never been inside this joint. I'll, I'll wait outside. They go, they come back. And I'm looking at the prices, okay? Doing the math, like the price of an eighth, and then what you're paying at Vera Life. A quad, then what you're paying at Vera Life. The prices are astounding sometimes, and they're never uniform. Um, what do you think about the price difference between mom and pops and dispensaries? Is it worth it? I'm asking you, a guy who, who doesn't go, but you know, I, I just just your opinion in a in a neutral sense, as neutral as you can be. With mom and pop, what you're getting is a lot more quality control. And that's one thing that I like about those shops. And the prices are way more competitive because mm -hmm. they don't have a large overhead and they don't have to pay, like, because these people are basically starting, like, these giant growth facilities. They want to have the best of the best in the beginning, so they're applying for these big permits. They already have to make up their money from the application fees and things like that. They're trying to make up the money that they've already put in to get an illegal business set up. True. And these mom and pops, they are working through a third parties vending their products. So what I'm looking for with like other states that still allowed like the medical program with like the home rows is for example there's a guy called Crazy Composer in Maine. He supplies probably some of the nicest flowers I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. So when I was in going to Maine, I would look for his flowers and things like that because I know the quality coming from this grower. Or if I go to another place, I look for melting pot farms or just you kinda of, kinda of have to know the farmer to get that kind of an idea. And with these new growth facilities, you see what, where they're coming from? But it's hard to look at these huge rows of grow and look at everything and say it's going to be good. You're going to have a lot of B-grade, C-grade flowers in there being sold as A-plus grade, and then you're going to end up paying like $75 an eighth, $80 an eighth tax and things like that. Versus mom and pop, you might be paying $40 an eighth and get something that, has, that hasn't been handled as much. So you're getting a lot more of the impact, like an intact flower right there. You get all the resin heads and some of these facilities. They have machine trimmers, so they're tumbling the flowers through a machine, and it slowly trims off all the leaves. But as you're doing that, you're taking away all the medicinal effects of it. All the resin is getting smeared, broken off, and things right. like that. And now they're starting to see that, okay, people don't want to see that, so they're bringing in hand trimmers. Now the next step is for them to start drying it better and curing it properly. Because some of them are drying them too fast, or they're too slow, or mm -hmm. they don't cure it as well. They, they're getting better at growing, but at the scale they're doing it at, I don't think they're ever going to be able to compete with the mom and pops when it comes to quality control. The mom and pop growers see everything in their hand, in face, and they're telling you, this is what I grew, versus if you go to these shops, you get a bud tender who feels very cocky because they're working at this dispensary, and they're like, yeah, this is great flowers, man. This is the best mimosa we've ever seen. They don't know because they can't open the container or the jar. If you go to another state where the mom and pop shops are at, They'll open up a nice mason jar for you. You can stick your nose in there. They'll grab chopsticks, pull out the flower, put it underneath the magnifying glass, and you can inspect it yourself and look at it, appreciate it for what it is. 
the looks, the aroma, everything coming out of the jar. Like, it's a whole different experience. Um, what do you think the future has in store, speculate? What do you think the future has in store for the industry? So I've heard a lot about like the apple farms back in the day. There used to be a thousand varieties of apples mm -hmm. and then they basically got industrial and selected the ones that produced the most popular and the most amount of apples. Granny Smith, Macintosh, and the other joint. Exactly. Red yeah. Delicious. Golden Reds. Yeah, Red Delicious. Yeah, yeah. And Red Delicious ain't that great. Nah. So I'm Granny Smith all day. <laughs> so I feel like these dispensaries are gonna like within the next 10 years, they're all gonna get together, probably behind closed doors, and be like, hey, we're gonna stop growing all these different varieties and just focus on the profit. And they're gonna pick the ones that they make the most money off of, the ones that sell the most, and only strictly grow those. And every once in a while, they'll bring in new flavors and things like that, but I think it's the, qual the quantity of flavors and varieties is really gonna start to go down as these big dispensaries start to pop up because they're going to start taking away the whole ability mm -hmm. and make it all up to them to supply you. Mm. So I feel like they're going to take away other varieties of it in the next coming up years. But then if you look at craft beers, for example, there was only so many varieties a couple of years ago and then it got popular. It was like a renaissance with the craft breweries right. and things like that. So hopefully after people get tired of all this dispensary like weed, they start to realize, you know what, I can grow something better myself. Right. I can do something that looks better, feels better, and also when they go to like inhale it, they they know what they're inhaling. They're not, oh, well, this time they did a recall on this batch and I didn't know because they didn't announce it. Batches get recalled? All the time. Really? So you go to get like a some flowers in California, they do a recall because they found out that they use a pesticide that they're not supposed to be using or they found bacteria hmm. on their or mold and things like that. And that happens a lot of times in the hash because they don't dry hash properly. So you're getting a lot of people that are taking these uh, dabs of butter, wax, uh, things like that. And if it's not done properly or dried properly, there's a lot of bad stuff in there. Right. Or if they grew a bad flower and they want to hide it, they just turn it into a concentrate and sell it as a hash. Because hmm. you can't see the bad stuff that's in the flower in the hash, only in the lab test. So you've done some traveling yes. in the industry. Yes. Um, so I, this will be a two-part question. Where have you been that has the best soil for the grower? Man, I actually have not seen these farms because I was never invited, but a buddy of mine actually, he did this by himself. He went a couple years ago, over a decade ago, all over the country, mm -hmm. meeting with all these different growers that he had networked throughout the years and making relationships with, mm -hmm. and grabbed soil from all their farms. And Kentucky has the best soil, hands down, he says, for growing flowers. He's like, if Kentucky legalizes it, they'll crush the market because their soil, their little terroir of the Smoky Mountains and everything like that makes such a perfect microclimate mm -hmm. that it will just produce the country's best outstanding flowers. And Mendocino area in California has like a weird, like, same similar microclimate of the mountains and everything like that. So there's like, there's like sweet spots but the one in Kentucky, I know for a fact that this guy was bragging about the soil. He mm. went over there and basically filled up his truck and started like taking the bacteria out of the soil to replicate it in his grow. Nice. Um, and when you've done your traveling, where have you found with the best flower? California. California? Yeah. yeah. Um, it was hands down Northern California. They had the 
best flavors, the best drying, the best curing. Like they just knew how to store it. And some guys were pulling out examples that were eight years old and opening mm -hmm. up a package, and it looked like it was maybe from like the last harvest and done right. But like, no, this is eight years old. He has a fridge that he keeps all these old examples that he likes to keep hold of. And Damn. so I was seeing like Panama Red, which is something that I never got to see or try. And mm -hmm. It doesn't look pretty. It doesn't look nice. It's not what you would be expecting at a dispensary. Most people would be like, I don't want to smoke that. Right. And you try it, and it's a completely different effect. It is very uplifting. Um, I didn't realize it. That I was slurring my speech from it, but it was very strong, and it was very ugly. <laughs> <laughs> very strong, very ugly. Um, do you think that Aurora downtown would be served well with a dispensary? I think it would. I think it should be a dispensary from the community, and I think the road would respond really well to it. Hmm. I don't think it should be an outside company or an outside organization that comes in here and starts it. Um, even if you're from Illinois and you're not from King County or this area, I don't think you should be opening up your business here. The only reason that we're in outside, like, people looking in here is because we're the second largest city. And they're tapping into the fact that the East End of Aurora has a lot of arrest records on it, so they know they're going to be getting all those like smokers and people that enjoy it. And that's one thing that I think is negative is that these people are applying for social equity licenses and permits and things like that. And when I look at who these companies are, they have one minority in their group who had one arrest record in like the 70s for like half a joint versus other companies that come from families that were torn apart, their brothers and sisters were arrested, they got to see them go to jail, they saw the police come to their house looking for them, and had a lot more traumatic experience. I think these are the people that would benefit the most, and I think if the community sees that they're giving back to them, it would be more, I think the community would respond a lot better to that. Um, so, this next question encompasses a lot of different things, a lot of different elements, but we'll, we'll, we'll stick on the part of it that deals with uh, what we're talking about, which is uh, the devil's lettuce. Um, has the war on drugs failed? I look at uh, Oregon and I say yes. Okay. Um, Oregon's leading the way and, you know, with the legalization and well decriminalization of small amounts of certain substances so I think that is a big step forward okay but I also think it's a big step backwards because some of those substances are a lot harder and yet the penalties for the devil's lettuce in some states is worse than ever before right like in California it's legal but if they catch you in certain counties with plants outside they'll arrest you because it's not legal in that county so right oh yes yeah. It's very hard to see, like, it's winning, but it's very visibly winning the war in drugs. Drugs are winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a part of me that feels that, uh, there's a part of me that feels like all of the opening of dispensaries and the, the yada yada, beautiful, happy nature of it all, it seems hypocritical to me in a way. I mean... And I'm not a guy to rain on parades, you know, I, I, hey, whoever's winning, keep it up. But the dispenser I was telling you about over there by the police station, all these other places, when I see them, man, I, I just get pissed off. Because I'm like, yo, how many, how many people had the door kicked in, right? Or how many people have been arrested in front of their whole families? On some $80 
I mean, how many people have gone to jail and couldn't bond out? How many people have lost it all because of a pound of right? I know so many smart, hardworking, intelligent people that have a felony and it ruined their life. They are now in their 40s and 50s. They've had to work three times as hard as a normal person because of their record. It has tainted them for life. And there's people that do real crimes against a lot of people and they don't get in any trouble. And that's where I think it's really wrong. Um, I have an 84-year-old neighbor mm -hmm. who has three felonies and he <clears throat> is sick. Falls over all the time, he's in his walker, he's tried getting his medical card many, many times, but because of his record, they will not give it to him because he's got felonies. Is that justice? <sighs> this I, is not, I'm not, you know, I, 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 it is, yeah, I, I, the law is something else. This the is way. what I'm talking about. I just find, I have such a problem. I do. I have such a problem with it. It's like, I, I feel that... It just seems bad to me, in a way. It does. It really just seems bad to me. It seems like no amount of all this pretty stuff and nice commercials and, you know, they got a, all that shit. Nice packaging. Oh, yeah. And they got they, a little music when you walk in. None of that shit means it's anything. A, and it's not even, it doesn't, it's a terrible representation of the culture that came before it. Right. So, when you look at, like, these stoner films like Teaching Chong, you look at Snoop Dogg, the music, Cypress Hill, and things like that, where do you see any of that in these new shops? Because these don't. are the people that carry the torch that were getting, like, you know, made fun of on the news stations, like, oh, all these stoners were eating all the food and got munchies and stuff like right, that. Right, so, right. you have the media making them look bad, and now you have the media selling, like, all these, like, oh, well, Seth Rogen just opened up his new line, and it's called House and something and something, and you're right. He's selling it in like a minimalistic, beautiful package, and he just has three different varieties and things like that. I'm just like, that's not what this is about. I like the, I, I like, I support, and I uh, appreciate the health aspects, the fact that cancer patients are not, or don't have to be, in excruciating pain. The fact that people suffering from, um, you know, anxieties and other things are able to uh, help themselves. That's what I like about it. Everything else bothers me about it. I'll be quite honest with you. You know what I'm saying? I, I mean, if I knew when I was in all these garages, you know, and I'm old enough to remember pagers. You had to use a pay phone to call somebody. You know, <laughs> and I, you know you're, you're waiting and putting all your money together and shit. If I knew that there was going to be a day where you could walk into a nice air-conditioned place with a nice cute chick and hey, we're the track. I don't know how I would have felt about that then. It's insane. It really is. So when I was in California, it was during the whole medical program for legalization. So it was called the Prop 215 medical era. They had stations at the counter where you could sample everything before you even purchased it if you wanted to. And I was like, this is amazing. I love California. Right. And then I go to other states and I see it's not all the same, which is why I think California was able to take it a step further in the varieties and the development of it because people there were able to give them their feedback right away. Like, oh, this isn't good. Oh, this is great. California, see, the, the thing that California also has, I've also been to Portland, Oregon. Okay. I've been all, in, I've been all through Oregon. Shout out to Oregon. My sister's in Portland right now. Shout out to, <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Oregon. Um... I mean, 
who knows how many growers and professionals and, and people would like, that have existed in those forested areas and all that from Oregon to Portland, all you know, the Pacific Northwest, all that. I mean, so they got like crop to choose from. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like New York would rack. They always did better than Kentucky would have. You know, they ain't, ain't nobody really freestyling Kentucky back in the 70s. So um, that's what California had. And I'm glad that they've had at least the forward thinking to, like, kind of put it in action, you know what I'm saying, to pave the way. Why did they pave the way or was it, Col- was it Colorado? Colorado did it legally. Colorado first. legalized it. Um, Alaska decriminalized and I went to possession in the 70s before anyone else did to get other people to move up there. Right. So Alaska also has got a lot of old school growers that have a lot of great genetic and seed stock because they were able to live out in the middle of nowhere and no one was going to say anything to them and grow their crops that finished before the frost. Amazing. Amazing. There's a family, there's a, there's a story in my family. I won't share it because I can't like get too deep but like there's a story in my family of uh, an uncle of mine who I guess had the backyard like full of you know plants and was growing them and uh, police came through there and tore it all down and did a scorched earth kind of thing and I mean this is back you know this would have been in the 70s I was born in the 80s but it's like, I just look at that, and he did like time for it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I popped for it, and I look at that now, and I'm like, you know, too bad for him that he was, you know, what, 40 years too late? It's just sad, you know, it's, it's terrible. Um, Do you know why it was illegal in the first place? Yeah, I do. Um, fine, well, we, um, it's, it's an old, History. Yeah. Um, uh, jazz music and, and the, the climate and all that, you know. You got nice white kids over here and they're hanging out with brothers playing saxophones and shit. The devil's lettuce is all over the place and it's the, it's a little bit more, it's more than that, but, it, but it's, uh, it's in the strain of, of uh, cor- the corrupting influence, as I understand it. It's the corrupting influence of society. I mean, it's, the next thing you know, you know, now you're, now you're Eminem, you know, you're... Well, you had actually the logging industry that was getting a big threat from the hemp industry. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay. they were, like, worried about it. So you had all these really rich, well-connected U.S. businessmen like Randall Hearst, who owned the newspaper companies, who invested a lot of money in the logging industry. So this guy came out with an idea, a machine, that would break down the fibers of hemp and make it way more easier to use than cotton and other things like that. So it was going to like make you not need labor of people anymore. You had a machine that was going to replace all these other things. So these guys are about to lose their millions and millions of dollars, which is the equivalent of billions today. Right. So they targeted it the way they knew they could get it illegal, was through going after the African-Americans, right. the Mexicans. So they used the racist views of America at the time right. to make it illegal yes, and okay. they, that's what they're like they're like look at what these jazz musicians are doing with their viper with their jazz i knew there was an industrial business aspect to it i didn't know enough about it though that is true the logging industry versus uh hemp yeah for progressive thinking at that time but yeah that's how they did it you know what i'm saying and i was like look if you vote for this your nice daughter Susie's gonna be down here 
hanging out with Cab Calloway and shit. Yeah. You know, and uh, which would have been the coolest thing in the world, but yeah. Now they're talking about like you remember when your grandma was down there at that jazz club. See, but that goes. That's also what we're talking about too. See, now look, right now it's the coolest shit to be at the the Drake concert, and uh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy that I believe that this subject that we're talking about is. Um, if it's not the beating heart of the culture war, it's certainly a ventricle. I mean, it's certainly part of the damn organism of the of the culture war. One thing I'm very happy about, though, is that in California right now, the big, big, like, um, producers of high-quality, amazing flowers and things like that that are pushing to the next level, they're working off all these hippies that were able to get away with it because the laws were racist. Right. So, now you have African Americans, you have Hispanics, you have a lot of Asian community members that before were always targeted by the police, but right, right now, all the new hype varieties are coming from them. Right, yeah. So it's like, shout out to the black community, shout out to the Hispanic community, the Asian yeah. community out there. They got away, now, yeah. now you can spread your wings, exactly. like now you can get they busy. They were always held back. Yeah. And so you look at what everybody wants, everybody in California is looking for these Southeast Asian strains, they want these Middle Eastern varieties, they mm -hmm. want these varieties from Africa. and. The white people would have never gone over there. These people came over here and brought them themselves, either through slave, migration, moving, all these other things. And this is what created all these like amazing varieties. Right. Um, let's talk movies real quick. Uh, it's always been, most films of what we're talking about are either super taboo or hippie joints and all that. What's some of your favorite movies about the culture? Or not if they're not they're about the culture that used the uh, you know that man I'm gonna throw a weird one for you it's called Gondosaurus Rex it's an old 1980s film that was made by some small growers in Humboldt California area mm -hmm. and you can only find it on YouTube it's not available on VHS or anything like that but it's an old view of the way <laughs> they looked at things they wanted to make it kind of like Chichen Chong scientific right. mutated urban things like that right. That one's pretty funny, but uh, it's very silly and it does portray the dumb stoner, which I of hate. Of course, of course, yeah. But it's very hard to find movies that don't portray that. Right. Um, let me see. One thing I really don't like is like when they show the like, and I get it, it's Hollywood. They're not growers. They make these gross setups in these films, like Pineapple Express, for example. And I look at the hydro setup they have in that big warehouse. They're yeah. underground. I remember that like, scene, yeah. That is so unrealistic. I'm like, why would they do that? I'm like, what are they doing? Like, they're gonna ruin their crop. Like, the whole setup is flawed. So you critiquing the movie? You're not even enjoying it? <laughs> no, I'm like, I enjoy the story and everything like that. And mm. I'm just like, man. Um. Uh, what's a better movie? Half Bake or Friday? Friday is a better movie, but I enjoy Half Baked more. Okay. All right. Friday was much more better made. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Dave Chappelle. <laughs> right, yeah, facts, facts. He was young then. That was yeah. way before, like, you know, you get started off with that. Uh, that was a good movie, though. That was a good movie, though. Um, how can people find you uh, a Fine Prairie Grass Selections? We're on Instagram, just under Prairie Grass Selections. Okay. Um, that's the only place that we get, uh, reach out to the people at. Okay. Uh, we 
pre-COVID, we were trying to do a few things over at Branch Gardens, trying to do a few classes, show people how to use what's in their garden to fertilize their garden with and things like that. Shout out to Branch Gardens, yo. Yeah, uh, they've been very helpful and beneficial and like introduced me to other people that need help and things like that. And if anyone needs help, reach out to them and they'll connect me to you. And if you can't find the Instagram, but yeah, no, uh, they've been a lot of help. Uh, I've been working with other people around here as well to uh, get supplies for other people. And okay. we've gotten a lot of donations. So if you, that's what I'm saying, like, we're here to help the people out. If you need lights, if you need soil pots, things like that, we've been given a lot of things, so we want to give that back to the people. I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of great breeders and growers and seed producers, so we have a great genetic library. We want to be able to fit what your needs are, what you want out of it. If you're a sick patient in need, you got pain or something like that, and you don't want to consume it, we can make it into a lotion for you. We can do like something else for you. Oh, right shit. now, uh, we're working with a lady who's working on a shampoo. We don't know how effective it's going to be, but uh, we do have a few people that are going through radiation, so they right. put the lotion on their feet. They're able to walk a lot more better, more comfortable. Um, we're just trying to find different things. We have done a chapstick before, and that was really good for the winter time. Um, so I mean. If you have any concerns or any needs, just let us know. We will try to figure it out for you. We have a great group of growers and people that work with us. Uh, we have one chemical engineer who has been very helpful in teaching us how to like infuse certain things together better and things like that. Okay. Uh, how many people, how big is the team of Prairie Guys? Uh, we are a team of 13. Okay. okay. Yeah, so uh, we range from the ages of 32 all the way to 80. Oh, shit. Well, as a... As a good squad doing this would. <laughs> All of us remember the drug war when it was. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I just. I hate it, man. You know. I'm kind of flashback. Flashbacking now. Like what people are. What people are paying extra for and driving away from these places with is the kind of shit that young Latino and young African American brothers had to like hide in your sock or. You would be you you would be literally shook to make the journey from North Aurora back to the east or west side because how are you you know what if you got pulled over with this dime bag I mean my God um, this is a good conversation though this is a good conversation though because this this is the kind of topic I like talking about it's not something that's so black and white there are health benefits there are ways that people who may have considered it taboo can still take part and help themselves out. Um, but yet, it still straddles that line between good and bad. You know, in quotations. Yes. Good and bad. Um, the show ends on a positive note. What's your message for the people of Aurora today? Man, Aurora, you can do anything you want to do. I've seen it happen. Aurora's changed a lot since I was a kid, mm -hmm. and it's for the better. I didn't think this would ever happen to a rub, but now I'm seeing it happen, and it's happening right before my very eyes. It's, the community is waking up, and it's growing together, and I love it. And I think we should keep it up. All right. Um, and on Instagram, it's Prairie Grass Selections. Prairie Grass Selections. All right. Well, this is a good episode, Nelson. We appreciate you. you coming on to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for all of you listeners, all you viewers out there, stay tuned for what Prairie Grass Elections has coming. And we hope that you guys all have a safe, positive, motivated, blessed, and and uplifting yeah. day and the rest of the week. 
So on behalf of the second largest city's first daily news podcast, we want to say peace.